Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We hope you have rung in the new year in a fun and celebratory fashion. Wes, we are going to wrap up the 2018 season here on our show today. I know everybody's got questions about what's going on with the head coaching search, who are the Packers talking to, who are the leading candidates. Rather than speculate on who may or may not be interviewing coaching candidates the Packers may or may not be interested in, we're going to leave that whole discussion until a hire is made. So with that, this will be our wrap-up show for the 2018 season, and then uh, we will come back when a new head coach is in place at 1265. So that's the plan here going forward. Um, but some awards here we can hand out for the 2018 season. A handful of them will rattle through these quickly. I'm going to give you the advantage because uh, I'm going to let you pick first okay. every time. Nice. And then I have to pick somebody different. But, <laughs> okay. um, but here we go. First one, offensive MVP for the Green Bay Packers in 2018. You know, I was hoping we'd get Marvin down here with our little unscripties that he could be, like, handing out to each individual person. <laughs> uh, we'll have to, you know, this is, I think, a first or second annual thing, so maybe we'll do that next year. Have, like, little unscripty awards that uh, we can bestow onto people. Producer of the year is Marvin, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. Unequivocally. Yeah. Easiest decision we'd have to make. Um, other than Devontae Adams as the Packers' offensive MVP, you could make a case, Michael, that Devontae Adams was the top receiver in the league this year, and there was a bevy of them. Michael Thomas broke the single-season yardage record for New Orleans this past year. That says a lot, yeah. uh, considering how much that they uh, have thrown the ball over the years. But the thing about Devontae Adams, Mike, from day one, he put pen to paper on that contract extension last December, and he said he wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he was worth it. The number's the number. Being paid well is something that goes along with playing well. But the thing that motivates him the most is to be a top-notch, top-flight receiver. He did that this year, 111 catches, 1,386 yards, 13 touchdowns, one of the most consistent performers in the entire NFL this season, and for the Green Bay Packers, their offensive MVP. I think the thing that impressed me the most about Adam's season is what you just said about the contract, that he did it the year after he signed that contract. He not only lived up to the contract, but I think exceeded it in so many ways in terms of the consistency, yeah. in terms of the big plays, obviously the numbers. This season, when you look at the whole combination of catches, yards, and touchdowns, it will go down as one of the best seasons in the history of the Green Bay Packers for a wide receiver, so that's saying a lot. In the interest of picking somebody else for offensive MVP, I'm going to go with left tackle David Bakhtiari. I think he was the uh, rock on that offensive line, both Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley, in my opinion, but I'll go with Bakhtiari because of that duty at left tackle, protecting Aaron Rodgers' blindside. And I think we saw Bakhtiari take his game a little bit to another level this year in terms of the run blocking. I think the, the pass blocking has always been there, really, I would say starting at a super consistent level from his second season in 2014 yeah. after that, uh, that rookie year of 2013 when he got thrown in there. But he's gone to another level now with the run blocking, and I think that uh, um, that only bodes well here for the Packers' offense moving forward. Yeah, and the fact that he did it, you know, playing through his own nicks and bruises. And That's cuts the other thing the I was going to say too. Yeah, no question. Uh, and, and I just, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Obviously, I don't watch every left tackle in the league. Uh, as much as I love to grind film, I'm not, you know, <laughs> you know, honing in on how you know certain guys get out of their backpedal and different techniques, but. 
Bakhtiari for this offense and what they need with Aaron Rodgers is the perfect left tackle. He's a franchise left tackle, and he's continued to elevate his game every single season, now six seasons in the NFL. All right, defensive MVP, who you got? You know, I, I hate to keep cherry-picking here, but Kenny Clark has to be that guy. Uh, when you look at a first-round caliber player, uh, a guy that when you draft them, there's high expectations. You want a guy that is going to, you know, be a, a linchpin on your entire roster. Kenny Clark has been that guy. It's unfortunate the elbow injury happened. If not for that, he would have set a new career high in tackles. He set his goal this year was to get 70 tackles, official tackles, in okay. the NFL uh, stat column, which, I mean, if you know anything about a one-tech or three-tech nose tackle in this league, it's difficult to get those kind of numbers because a lot of times you're taking on double teams and you're opening up you know, blockers for your for your defenders behind you. Clark doesn't do that. He eats them up himself. Uh, so to have 55 tackles, a career-high six sacks, three passes defense, also forced to fumble. Kenny, Casey, about that life, Clark, <laughs> at 23 years young, you look at his resume that he's built in three short NFL seasons, he's going to be a good one, man. Yeah, can't argue with that choice at all. I agree with you. Kenny Clark is the defensive MVP of this team in the interest of picking somebody different. <laughs> I'm going to go with Blake Martinez, and it's not even so much about the statistics. I know improving from one sack to five sacks, the way he was used in Mike Pettin's scheme, definitely a step in the right direction for Martinez. He still racked up a bunch of tackles, maybe not quite as many as last year, as the previous year, 2017. But the reason I will say Martinez here is because with a new scheme, a whole new system being brought in, we saw on this Packers defense in 2018 minimal communication miscues and I think that goes to Martinez and the way he commanded the huddle the way he led things from a communication standpoint in the middle of the defense I think that spoke a lot to the level of improvement that the defense made overall 16 starts 32 consecutive over the last two seasons for Martinez I know he wants playoffs and that's ultimately the goal for everyone on this roster but I think when he sits at home after the season cannot help but be proud of the year that he put together there really wasn't a de facto number two. Certainly Antonio Morrison jumped into that spot as that every down linebacker in the few snaps when Martinez was out with injury this right. year. But you need a guy like him that's going to be able to envelop uh, Mike Pettin's system and be able to disperse that to the d entire defense. He's been that player. And, Michael, the other thing is, too, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not meaning to disrespect anybody, but there was a number of years there where Dom Capers, with the way that this defense was built, they were using converted outside linebackers at inside backer. They had to do some mix and matching. They were looking for a guy that could handle the three-down role. Martinez has done that. Now, certainly, you know, there's always room for improvement with his own game. I'm, he's yep. the first one to tell you that, but his ability to kind of calm the seas there after a number of years where that was considered one of their primary needs, I think speaks really highly of him. Yeah, those two guys from the 2016 draft class clearly becoming a part of the foundation Absolutely. of this Packers defense moving forward. Okay, category number three, breakout player of the year. You got one? Let's stay with the 2016 NFL draft, should we? Shall okay. we? Right. Uh, Kyler Fackrell. All right. Ten and a half sacks uh, for him this season. Much like with Kenny Clark, they wrote down those goals with coordinator Mark Mike Pettin at the beginning of the season, and he marked down that he wanted double-digit sack totals. And 
considering there was only three individuals who have achieved that for the Green Bay Packers defense over the last decade. A lofty goal, but he said he really embraced that. And then here you go, two three-sack performances this year, 10.5 on the season. For everything that Kyler Fackrell has had to kind of weather with the outside noise, with some of the doubters, with him getting taken in the third round back in 2016, to see him have the year that he had, a really strong campaign for him and now going to be a building block for the Packers as they look to make that next step now with those pass rushers this offseason. All right, and I'm going to go in the 2017 draft, and I'm going with Aaron Jones here as the breakout player. Now, we all knew what the potential was, and I think we started to see that, but I say started to see that because I think that Jones still has more to give here. He needs to continue to work on that lower body, be able to, you know, build it up to withstand a full 16-game schedule. Um, obviously, that didn't work out with uh, with getting injured right towards the end of the regular season here, but he still had over 700 yards rushing, eight rushing touchdowns. I think there's even more he can do in the passing game as well moving forward, depending on, obviously, whatever offensive system comes in here. But this is a guy, when he's got the ball in his hands and a little bit of space, Wes, he's, he's a special player. And I think potentially if that health part of it holds up, I think he can have the ball in his hands even more in 2019. Yeah, just keep him off a of soldier field and he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. There's been no durability issues Boy. other than that field. So. Okay. <laughs> Point taken. Point taken. All right. Um, another category here, comeback player of the year. It's, Who do you like? It's really easy to pick Brian Balaga here, and I'm going to leave him on the vine for you to potentially pick. I'm going to go with Bashad Breland, though. Uh, and the reason I bring up Breland is he had one whale of the 2018 this is a guy that had played basically every snap for Washington the last four years. Looks like he's on the verge of finally getting rewarded, signing a lucrative contract with Carolina. This freak heel injury flares up from some kind of skin graph he had when he was a kid. They, he fails the physical. The, the Panthers void the contract, and he ends up having to sit out until September. He comes into Green Bay without any training camp. He has to weather a groin injury, a hamstring injury. But at the end of the day, Michael, 20 tackles and two interceptions in seven games, five starts for the Green Bay Packers this season. I just was really impressed with how this young man came in and carried himself. We'll see exactly where Brian Gutekunst wants to do this offseason, but by no means would yeah. I be disappointed to see him come back. I think he has a lot of potential. He also gives you a lot of flexibility with his ability to either play in the slot or at boundary cornerback. Yeah, all right. Well, you were supposed to make up my mind for me because I had two <laughs> guys in mind, and then uh, you didn't do that. So I'm going to throw two <laughs> comeback players right. at you. Brian Balaga is definitely one to come back as quickly as he did from the second torn ACL of his career, which happened in November of 2017. He was back on the field for week one in 2018. As we've said all season long, I tip my hat. I give him a ton of credit. I know there were some other nicks and bruises that he dealt with along the way and wasn't able to play in every game all yeah. the way along. But um, but his, uh, his comeback from November of 2017 to what he was able to do in 2018 I thought was impressive. The other one? Tremont Williams, he came back, yeah, right? He he's, come a, back. he's a comeback <laughs> player. He came back to Green Bay and was a really, really important and valuable part of this defense in making this transition, I think, to the new scheme. His versatility could play the boundary, play the slot. He moved to safety for the back half of the season, all these things. Communication issues were certainly something that were 
um, a forte of his as well. So, uh, so I tip my cap also to Tremont Williams in the comeback category. The other thing I love about it too, he said from day one of the offseason program, Mike, he wasn't coming back just to be a, a veteran old guy in the room that was just going to lead these guys emotionally. He wanted to be out there and he wanted to play. But at the same time, if I was Joe Witt Jr., if I'm Jason Simmons, I am pointing to that man right there, 12 years into his NFL career, a former undrafted free agent, had to earn everything the hard way. The fact that he's still doing what he's doing and how he's doing it should be a lesson to Kevin King and Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, showing these guys about, okay, if you want to be a player that lasts a decade in this league, take note of what this guy's doing and the fact that he's still doing it at a high level. Yeah, no question about it. All right, rookie of the year. I'm going to go with Jair Alexander. Okay. Uh, that one I think is pretty obvious when you look at the season he put together. I was talking to him during the final locker room session and sort of revisiting this year. Much like Kevin King as his rookie year, Alexander had to end up getting a lot of the tough assignments. He was, you know, the shutdown corner really the last six weeks of the season. He said it got to the point that he would go into the Wednesday meeting room knowing, just already feeling that they were going to have him match up against certain receivers. He just was braced for it. He was doing that at 21 years old. You know, he mentions he wants to have more interceptions. He should have more interceptions. One of those got taken away yeah. uh, from an egregious call early this season. Right. Uh, but the fact is, is that he doesn't back down. If he can get some of these soft tissue things figured out, I, I just, I think you're looking at a big playmaker here. And, and Joe Witt Jr. said it himself. I mean, if you can get him and Kevin King on the field together, what a tandem that's going to be for this Packers defense and secondary. Couldn't agree more with that comment from Witt and couldn't agree more with your selection as Rookie of the Year. I will pick a, another player on the offensive side of the ball, though, and that's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now, I really liked what I saw out of both Valdez-Scantling and EQ St. Brown as rookie wide receivers. They both had their moments throughout the course of the year, but just based on overall production and the numbers, 38 catches over 500 yards receiving. I'll go with Valdez Scantling here. The biggest thing I, that I like about him uh, just from a raw physical skill standpoint is the one thing you can't coach and that's speed. He's yeah. he's got it. I think I think it's something that could be a huge asset for this offense moving forward. He's the kind of receiver that the Packers haven't had around here in a while in the in, for the bulk I would say of the Aaron Rodgers era, a guy with that kind of just open field flat out speed. I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. Legitimate home run threat yeah. every time he touches the ball. I think one thing the Packers did better during the second half of the season is getting him the ball in open space doesn't always have to be a go route you can do things underneath to potentially get it let him get separation and, and let him break away from guys yeah uh, I, I really wish the, the one thing that is gonna I wanted to see that defensive line together I wanted to see Muhammad Wilkerson and Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels operate I really wanted to see what this offense could do with MVS being sort of a uh, a change of pace player. Yeah, where you had Drummond Allison. That's a really good point. If if you have Allison and Cobb the bulk of the year with Adams, and as you say, then uh, then Valdez Scantling is uh, is that change up you can throw yeah. in there as a perimeter option. Yeah, that that unfortunately was the thing offensively that just never was able to materialize because of the injury issues. Yeah, if you have a, that that's something that if you're a secondary coach or defensive coordinator, eighty three. Three comes on the field you got to change what you're planning to do out there mm -hmm. because he can just go one-on-one -on -one, beat your cornerback and are you keeping another safety over there if you do that how does that open up the rest of the field 
He's going to be a great player in this offense, though. I think him and St. Brown, you know, Jamon Moore has a lot of potential as well. Seeing how those young guys develop is going to be really exciting to watch going into 2019. All right, our last category here before we get to a little bit of uh, 2018 NFL playoffs preview. Play of the year. What do you like? Yeah, so I, I basically came down to two. Uh, you had a couple twos, so I'm going to go with the two. All right. Uh, defensively, to me, it's still that Kevin King interception. I just loved it. I loved uh, the grittiness of that defense. San Francisco Monday Sa- Night Football. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was a tough game. They had to rally to beat uh, a San Francisco team that I think a lot of people on papers thought they should have just walloped and, and been done with it. They, that didn't happen, so they had to work their way back. They get, you know, the 49ers are driving a little bit, and, you know, you have Beathard sort of put up a 50 50 ball, and Kevin King makes him pay for it. You started to see the legitimate playmaking ability of King, not just the coverage, but what he could do as a pass catcher in this league. Uh, I'm, you know, again, he has to work through some injury issues, but. That, that was such a great play. And then the first game of the year, the, the Randall Cobb catch, you have to you know put that in the conversation. 75 yards, yarder, yep. completes the comeback over the Bears, the best victory the Packers had in 2018 against a team that went on to only lose four games. Uh, unfortunately, again, injuries kind of you know reared their ugly head and, and things didn't go the way that Cobb wanted it to in 2018. But what a great reminder of, of that Aaron Rodgers you know, battery with with Randall Cobb and and how effective that was for the Packers for so many years. Yeah, and I will just throw this out there before I give you my selection. I think the the play that gets overlooked from the 2018 season that really was something was also from week one, the touchdown pass to Geronimo Allison by Aaron Rodgers. Tremendous throw, tremendous catch. Unfortunately, that uh, ended all too early in 2018 with Allison getting injured. But uh, and Allison too. I mean, before he ended up having that, I think it ended up being a soft muscle injury, or no, uh, was it a core muscle injury? I think it was. The fact that I think every I don't have the stats up in front of me. I think all of his starts, it was five catches for at least 60 yards. When you're looking at a number three, heck, even a number two receiver in this offense, he was, that's the hallmark of it. And, and Allison was really on pace for that. That was a shame that he wasn't able to finish it off. Yeah, he was off to such a great start. But my pick for play of the year, and this is a little unusual because I'm actually picking one from a game that the Packers lost. But uh, the touchdown pass in Seattle on Thursday Night Football to Robert Tanya the 54-yarder, not only the first catch and first touchdown for the undrafted tight end in Tanya. But the kind of play that was, you know, quite frankly, was kind of a throwback play to the to the Aaron Rodgers scramble drill days of old, where <laughs> he gets out of, he gets out of the pocket and heaves it downfield and makes you pay because uh, because he was able to extend the play and and uh, I really thought at the time it it happened in the end zone that was kind of right in front of us, like where our press box seats were. So that was the end zone where we were kind of sitting and and we saw that. I thought that was the play that was going to catapult the Packers to a huge Thursday night victory on the road in Seattle and and really kind of turn the whole season around. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but it doesn't take away from at least from in my opinion how amazing a play how amazing a touchdown that was big bob tanyan's baby boy coming bobby, up with uh... bobby as aaron like to <laughs> refer to him uh in discussions as yeah. the season went along um it was a fun all one. right hey before i forget here west the powerful noise canceling technology that helps nfl coaches block out eighty thousand screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love learn more at www.bose.com slash packers bose 
the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all. And that takes a lot of energy, so grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. All right. You want to go a little longer on this let's final episode? This we'll is the wrap-up. Yeah, let's do, a little, do a little NFL playoffs preview here because um, – there's some interesting stuff going on. I don't know if you want to start in the NFC or in the in the AFC, but uh, when I look at the AFC, this Chargers Ravens wild card game is really interesting to me because they just played in Los Angeles yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I think this Ra- this Ravens team is one definitely to keep an eye on. I did a couple of weeks ago. I did think the Chargers were maybe that team with Philip Rivers that was going to go to the Super Bowl. So I will stick with that. But I'll say this about the Ravens, Wes. Doesn't it kind of, don't they kind of seem like the 2012 San Francisco 49ers? You took the words right out of my mouth. They go, you know, the switch at quarterback from, you know, it went from Smith to Kaepernick. This one goes from Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Defense is not really sure how in the world to do that and then on the how in the world to defend that. And then right. on the other side of the ball, you have the you have a defense that travels well as they say. They can take that unit anywhere, line it up against anybody. Um, I, I think the winner of this Chargers-Ravens game might be might be the team to beat in the AFC. I don't want to play them. I mean, that's certainly <laughs> the case, yeah. uh, whoever comes out of this thing. There's two elements to this game I really like. You're absolutely spot on with the with the analogy. They even have a Harbaugh that's coaching them. How uh, how uh, But how ironic would that be, though, the Ravens being the team that beat the 2012 yeah. 49ers in the Super Bowl, and now it's the 2018 Ravens that look like that Niners that team like from them. six years ago. But Just strange. It's interesting to me in that they're winning games, and that was something that when you look earlier in the season they just consistently couldn't do. They were always around 500, but they couldn't separate themselves. Since moving this, this decision to go with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, is it slightly unconventional? Yes. Do you wonder what the you know the half-life on it's going to be? Sure. You do. Yeah. But that none of that matters right now. 2019 It's about playing matter. for a championship right now, man. It's about trying to secure another Super Bowl. Yep. And L.A.'s defense, it's going to be a big challenge for them. Offensively, this is what you want to see because Phillip Rivers has had to go through some tough times. There's been some lean years there as of late, inconsistent years offensively. They lose Keenan Allen a couple times. Well, here you are now. And you're back in this thing, and you got a chance. You have a chip and a chair. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Whoever prevails in this, I, I don't want to face them in round two. I no, just think that both either. teams are built to get on a run here. Yeah, and it would be interesting because I, the Chargers, they're going in with a lot to prove because of that offense getting shut down by the Ravens on that Saturday night game from a couple weeks ago. And the Ravens are, uh, quite frankly, a hot team that, as I said, uh, the other teams, you don't quite know how to deal with with this defense and the way it's come on strong late in the year, and then Lamar Jackson and all this unorthodox kind of stuff they're doing on offense. So interesting there. Going to be tough for anybody, certainly, to go into Arrowhead and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But I will say this about the Ravens, too. Did LA the Ra- the Ravens, the Ravens and LA? the Chargers. What's that? Did L.A. already do that, or was that game in L.A. when L.A. beat Kansas City. No, that was at that was at Arrowhead. It was. Yeah, okay. that's, that's that's what I was going to say. When you talk about Chargers Ravens, the Chargers beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead recently on that Thursday night game. The Ravens should have beaten the Chiefs at Arrowhead if not for a fourth and nine miracle yeah. throw from Mahomes to Hill that sent that game to overtime, and then uh, Kansas City ultimately prevailed. And you also look at this Ravens this Ravens team, Wes. Even before they switched quarterbacks to Lamar Jackson. 
they had the New Orleans Saints down 17-7 after three quarters, let them up off the mat. The Saints ended up pulling out that game. This Ravens team, they, they, they can play with anybody. Yeah, they can, and they're yeah. getting better. NFC side, I mentioned this as well as some of the other comments I just made in our Insider Inbox column. I think if there's one playoff matchup that I want to see in the NFC, and there are a lot of good ones that are already on the slate this weekend, these two games, Seahawks, Cowboys, Eagles, Bears, should be great games. But I don't you kind of want to see Chicago's defense against that New Orleans offense yeah. in the Superdome? Now, it would have to be in the NFC Championship based on the seeding. They wouldn't meet in the second round. They could only meet in the championship, and a lot of stuff could happen between now and then. But just from a from a pure football, who's who's got it better? Um, that's kind of the matchup I want to see on the NFC side. I agree with you 100%. Uh, my favorite for this playoff run is still New Orleans. I think they are the most complete yep. team. I think it's the best defense they've had. Agreed. You know, at least over the last decade. I thought they were the best team going into the playoffs yeah. last year, and uh, there's nothing. Nothing that I've seen this year has swayed my opinion of them being the team to beat in the NFC. The Bears are a little bit more of a specialist. They, they need to have their defense control the tempo of the game to win. But what a great test for them coming out of the gate against Philadelphia. And Philadelphia feeling like they got you know a little bit of momentum behind them right now with being able to surge into the playoffs the way they did. No question. I'm with you 100%. I think Chicago and New Orleans, that's the matchup. I think that's the one you put on the marquee. But you know, it's and be I think I say that I say that in part. Sorry to interrupt no, you. I say that in part because, um, as good a matchup as Rams and Saints is with those two offenses, we did see that matchup yeah. during the year. So that, I think that's why, just in my brain, I'm looking for maybe to see the Bears against the Saints because we didn't get to see that it, one yet. And, and hey, the Rams might get on a run here. Oh they yeah, might shut me up. But I, I still, I think the second half of the season exposed some warts there. And I, I just I think even though the Saints had to claw and scratch their way through a couple games as well, I just I look at them like okay that that's that's the favorite, and when I see the Bears, I just think that they're the best kryptonite to that. So yeah, seeing if that yeah. potential matchup could work out will be fun, and then also seeing with Seattle getting back in this thing, you know. <laughs> How long ago was it that we saw Earl Thomas being carted off the field and you know, and the gesture and in <laughs> yeah. the direction everything was going there and Pete yeah. Carroll rallied the troop once again and now they have a good matchup now at AT&T Stadium. It's going to be a fun weekend of games for sure. Yeah, playoff tested quarterback in Russell Wilson and and the Rams team just to mention them one last time. Uh, they got some playoff experience last year. Did. It didn't go the way they wanted. They lost a home game to the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs, but they're back now, and, and sometimes getting that, that one year with a young quarterback, Jared Goff, all that, you get that, that first taste of the playoffs uh, under your belt, so to speak. It can uh, it can lead to better things. I want to see that defense dominate, though. You know, we talk no, so I'm, much I'm about with that you. offense. I'm, I'm with you. you that, the I, personnel on that Rams defense, you would think it would play better, and it has the potential to. Maybe yeah. they rise up in January and they and they get it going. But uh, but right now, when you're talking defense in the NFC, you're talking Seahawks, Cowboys, and Bears. Those yeah. are those are the defenses that are coming to this party. Yeah, it's just funny because I just I thought the potential was there to have them have like a you know Denver Broncos 2015 type season it hasn't come together yet. But hey. Playoff football is different football. We'll see if they can rally it. Well, it should be a fun couple of weeks here in uh, in the NFL. But uh, with that, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted, and we will sign off until a new head coach is on board here at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. With that, you can follow him on Twitter, at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers, is still the team account. Thank you for tuning in. Happy New Year, everybody. We will see you next time.